Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. England had two of their all-time great collapses in Barbados. Rolled out for 77 in the first dig, skittled by Roston Chase's 8 for 60 in the second. It was a disastrous test for England. But on the bright side, what a result for the West Indies. Their Beijing core humbling England in a proper throwback to the 80s. Elsewhere in the world, Nepal picked up their first ever ODI series win. India have dominated the second and third ODIs against New Zealand and Pakistan and South Africa are coming to the end of a very exciting series in South Africa. I'm Yaz Rana and this week I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Phil Walker. And for the first time, we're very grateful to be joined by Andy Zaltzman. Welcome, Andy. Hello. Phil, Hello. What's, your, what's your moment of the week? Uh, well, it, until a couple of hours ago, it was simply spending a few days in the company of a few old writers covering the story of Wally Hammond, um, which I've been researching for a piece in the magazine. And then I saw Baba Razan bat and he got 25 in 24 balls uh, uh, before inexplicably missing one around his legs. And he's without doubt my new favourite player. He is a dream. Um, and uh, he seems to to enjoy just taking the mickey out of Dale Stain, and he did that again today. It completes a sort of uh, kind of thrillingly... In indefinable series for him, really. It's not quite one thing or the other, but when you watch him and the sun's out, then all is well with the world. Uh, he is on the cusp of becoming one of the, the big-time players in the world, I think, and and hopefully that will happen uh, with the World Cup in a few months' time. Um, going back to Wally Hammond, though, I've spent two days in the company of the great man. Um, I, I found a handful of biographies in the, in the Oval Library, and I, I found one by an old fella, uh, long, long gone, unfortunately, called Ronald Mason. Ever heard of Ronald Mason as a writer? No, Isabel. Yeah, yeah well, it, it didn't to me. Um, looked him up, uh, playwright, uh, novelist, all-round cad, and, uh, and, and lover of cricket. Writes in that kind of high style of the time, the Cardus-esque sort of high style. Uh, and, and he shines a, a beautiful light on, on arguably England's most complete uh, 
batsman in history and certainly one of its most uh, enigmatic characters. Um, and and just just the first line of the book sounds like I've just literally opened <laughs> it. But, but I was reading... Classic school book report. I, I, went, I went looking for the 28... 29 series when yeah. he made 900 and you'll tell me Andy, 905 five? I think it was yeah. 905 yeah two double centuries and 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 200s as well in the Adelaide test when he dominated that series and I went looking for that section um uh, but I I found various other bits as well and even just the first line from our man Ronald Mason I can see him still impassive and detached as always erect at first slit with arms folded and feet rather wide apart or walking between the overs down the wicket to his place, England cap slightly cocked, nose in the air, every graceful movement instinct with a curious, preoccupied indifference. And that's the first paragraph <laughs> of the book. It gets it gets better and better the longer you go through it. And and you spend a lot of time kind of obsessing over the minutiae of what happened last week and what happened yesterday and what's going to happen at Antigua tomorrow, which obviously we'll come to and we'll do our bit. But it's it's great to just take a step back sometimes and to move back a few generations and 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 kind of re-experience cricket as as it once was. And you, and it's a it's quite it's quite a kind of sort of touching moment really to be honest. And I've been lost in it for two or three days. I've been reading about Bradman as yeah, well. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about Bradman. You had a great line from uh, his diary that you tweeted yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well it, in just in context, we're putting together a me and Joe Harmon are putting together a huge feature for the upcoming magazine of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, and it's about the greatest individual series. So one one person, because we've got a couple of women in there as well, who have dominated that series that they've played in. Now, Wally obviously counts, 9.05 in 28.9. But of course, a year and a half later in 1930, Bradman turns up here, I think he's 21 years old, and he's made runs in that that's aforementioned series that was dominated by, by Wally. And Bradman turns up in, in England in 1930 and takes it one step further and makes 974, Andy? 974? Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we'll seven, go. seven innings, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's right. I think it was actually eight completed innings, I read. Um, uh, but I will always bow to you. I'm probably wrong on that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I found, a, I found a diary entry that, that he'd, put, he'd put in. And, and he, was, he was studious, Bradman. He, he covered everything. He's, every day off he had... Uh, he was he would spend meeting with potential business clients and and partners. He was he was aware of his own value even as a twenty one year old and was was looking to try and develop that as much as possible. But he would keep a diary of every single thing that happened throughout that summer. And his diary entry for the evening after day one at Leeds of the third test at Headingley, Archie brackets Jackson Archie out for one full stop. I followed. And at Stumps was 309 not out, <laughs> breaking previous highest score in Anglo-Australian tests, full stop. Reached my 2,000 runs for season, full stop. To hotel, in evening, for dinner, and wrote letters, fence to bed. <laughs> that's, a, that's outstanding. Full stop. That's amazing. That's the Don for you. 21-year-old, living the dream, uh, riding a wave, and... Uh, uh, and, and putting together, yeah, the, the mother of all series. <laughs> Is that what they called Ashes Test then? Anglo-Australian Test? That's what Don called it in his in his yeah. diary. I guess he could call it whatever he wanted. Yeah, the yeah. secret diary of Don Bradman, <laughs> age 21. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, so it's been nice just to take a step away from it all, you know? Well, so we, few days. we complain about modern players being a bit dull in press conferences. <laughs> so, uh, just just want to get out there, do what I do best, put in the right areas, there's Bradman. Bench to bed. Uh, Sensational. And, and, and a bit of... 
throwing a bit of shade at Archie Jackson there as well. You're starting off Archie, Archie out for one. And there wasn't much love lost between the two of them, evidently. Archie out for one. I followed. And it's, I was 309 <laughs> knocked out. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, again, just finishing on Bradman, he's, we're at, at the Oval as ever. It's always sunny when we do this It podcast. is always sunny. Uh, 232 at the Oval to finish off that, that series and win that game for Australia. They were responding to 400 and plenty as well um, that England had posted in on that first day and a half. And Bradman came out and and just strummed 232. Thanks very much. Uh, and of course, the legend was a, was away. When's that magazine going to be out? A few oh, weeks still. Done, yeah. A few weeks still. Nicely done. Yeah, a couple of weeks yet. Yeah, a couple of weeks. We've only just uh, pretty much dropped the last one, yeah. really. So, so it'll be it'll be out in two and a half, three weeks. We, we will be mentioning it again. Fantastic, um, Andy. What about your moment of the week? Well, I have I have two moments of the week. You have um, as many as you like. Neither of which involve Wally Hammond or, or Don Bradman. Wally Hammond, interestingly, people complain about oh, oh, Keaton Jennings hasn't done this for so long or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, there's justified concerns. But Wally Hammond, in the mid-30s, when he really should have been at his peak, I think went 14 tests without a half century. And yet, either side of that, I think, averaged 70-plus in the two other phases yeah. of his career, excluding the little and, bit And do you, do you know what? This was news to me as well, just reading this book. In that 1930 series, when he came... And he was number one player in the world, undisputable number one player in the world. And he averaged 30-odd in in those five test matches when Bradman was averaging 130-something or other. Uh, so it does show you, you know, that, that great reputations can can be can be diminished and form can just desert you. It doesn't matter how good you are, unless you were Bradman, of yes. course. But yeah, Wally, pound for pound, possibly our greatest ever player. And yeah, there, there was... There was there was famine amongst the feast a lot. You know, yeah, and long famine. So after after the bodyline tour and then the subsequent test in New Zealand when he made yeah, it, when he made loads, yeah. I think it was almost three years till he next got a fifty in a test. He went the whole thirty four Ashes series in the West Indies and yeah. some matches with South Africa. When he was in his late twenties as well. Yeah, yeah. So he was twenty five in twenty eight nine, you know, King of the Castle. And so you're talking about what should have been his glory years, yeah. twenty seven to thirty one and and could barely lay a bat on it. It just adds to the the enigma. But anyway, this is not the Wally Hammond. You, you, <laughs> you have clearly loved reading about him. It's the last been few great, days. Yeah. Ronald Mason. Well, anyway, Andy, show. your yes. moment of the week. I'm going to pick two. Okay. one one good, one bad. Okay, um, I'll start with a good one. Shimron Hetmyer's hatless six, oh. Oh. because well, clearly he's a glorious talent, and yeah, we don't know how good he's going to end up being, um, but he's fantastic to watch. And uh, Mike Athen wrote in the Times today, sort of slightly throwback. Um, was this the six in the second innings off Stokes, or was it? No, it was in the first, first innings, team? and he he had a helmet on, and England had two spinners, so he took his helmet off, batted hatless, hit a six, yeah, and then got a big broad brim sun hat, yes, and I think right. he had another went six. So whole, he went through three different types of headgear. I think you look better with the floppy sun hat. Yeah, has a better look. But it's so rare to see a completely hatless batsman, mm, yeah. particularly in Test cricket. Uh, there was something yeah. glorious, and it was such a beautiful shot. Um, so, and he, he was, uh, as we'll probably talk about later. Um, you could make a good argument for him being man of the match. It's got, it was quite a tough man of the match call in in some ways. Though yeah. Holder got the massive double hundred. Well, that, 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 that point. Yeah. Did, did hold the whole thing yeah. together, didn't it? Really, it gave them a gave them a total yeah. that they could they could look to defend. It's a very and, different test match if he if he doesn't yeah. get a score there. You're know, looking at one yeah. one sixty one seventy all out. They batted very well as a team in the in the first inning. People often say, oh, none of them went on, but actually, that it's often a sign of when it's difficult. That, yeah, you know, the difficult bit is. It, it just sort of stays difficult through an yeah. It's not necessarily the batsmen have thrown it away. It's just that it's always difficult. So if you can make 
you know, I love games where you know, even even a score of thirty is a big contribution. Well, that, that, even for, that Brathwaite forty, yeah, yeah. you know, in difficult conditions, you'd have loved it if England had a batsman who yeah. you know got through a really difficult patch to get forty in the in, in England's first. And he's an acquired taste to watch, isn't he, Brathwaite? Brathwaite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, talk about well, throwback. Like he's a throwback. Too heavy. He looks, he looks <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah. a prep school kid. Yeah, yeah. And his dad's bought him a bat for yeah. investment. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So I'm only going to get you one bat for the next five years. <laughs> I'm afraid size five. He's playing his first summer of men's cricket, and he thought he should get a men's bat, even though he's still a kid. He does a good job for them though. yeah he's uh, really good, old he? school and, yeah. and often batsmen like that say oh this is for the purists you know, that's what I yeah. say. purists would yeah might like someone like Atherton or Dravid <laughs> but yeah indeed uh, yeah. my other uh, uh, admirable player though is clearly um, my other moment of the week the negative moment of the week was Moeen Ali's shot oh, in the second man. innings now no. Moeen Ali got his uh, got, got a pair it was uh, in England's the last five first tests of series that he's played he's now been out for a first innings duck in four of them I saw you write this earlier in the week yeah, yeah. That, that was alarming yeah. just say that again so yeah, so yeah so he, he didn't play the first test in uh, in the India series but in the other uh, five series England have had the most recent five series that Moeen has played being picked in the first test he's made a first innings duck in four out of those five do you think there's there's something in that or do you think that he has trouble adjusting to the rhythm of a series, or do you think it's just one of these statistical anomalies? It might anomalies? just be a quirk. It's a bit hard to say. Um, He's not been doing very well anyway, not just the first no, test match. He's averaged 16 to the start of 2018. I thought he was a little unlucky in the first innings. I know that he was maybe held up as the, the most culpable. Yeah. Um, he is a compulsive hooker, but then he also bats number seven or eight, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and often it comes off. He was trying to control that that yeah. pull shot, uh, and, and the top edge, it was a half. It was like a great catch as well, and it was a very good catch. You know, another day it would have sailed over his head, and then he's six from one. And Moeen Ali is one of my favourite cricketers of all time, particularly just as a kind of aesthetic watching experience. Yeah, and Moeen's in full flow. There's very little that's better than that. Mm. And uh, uh, but that shot in the second innings, when it was a kind of almost long hop, just drooped outside off stump, and he kind of flamped it to Mm. slip. It was a, a shot of someone who. Totally and utterly devoid of confidence and Which security in, in Australia. Their batting. Yeah, when he became a different-looking cricketer, didn't he? And uh, well, I was looking at his stats against spin, particularly away from home. I think he's averaged twelve against spin in England's last four series away from home. So that's the Ashes, New Zealand, Sri Lanka, and including. The West Indies. Okay. And you think back to the one before that, the, he made the, two in centuries India. Yeah. in India against Ashwin and Jadeja. So quite what has happened. Yeah. To um, Nathan Lyon clearly totally demolished his his confidence. So mm. I think all cricket fans would hope that he gets it back. Talking more generally um about, about England's batting, seventy seven all out in the first innings. Um there's something like um kind of depressingly inevitable about that collapse. You know, fifty eight all out in Christchurch last year. Um, to be honest, we were talking about it just before we started recording. I think in the second innings batting performance is worse, actually. Um, sometimes you come against really good bowlers and actually uh, there are very few shots that were that bad in the first innings. Not great defensive batting from England, but you know sometimes you come across really good bowling. But in the second innings, throwing away eight wickets to Ross and Chase's non-spinning off spin was pretty dreadful. Um, why do you guys think that um, England are struggling so badly with the bat? Because they've had a good year, but they haven't batted very well. Only only Butler averages more than forty, so it's a long-standing problem. Well, they've sort of got away with it. They batted well enough, haven't they? And and see, having Jimmy Anderson at home means that you don't have to bat that well mm. generally. And 
you know, they'd batted reasonably well in, in Sri Lanka without, I think I didn't get past 350, but it was enough in a, in a, in a tight, tight series. Um, clearly no one is playing really well at the moment. And, I mean, you look at Joe Joe Roots, who's been you know, England's best player for five years, and I think you're talking about Wally Hammond being the most complete. Well, he's in my team for Antigua. Uh, Wally Hammond, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I've dug him up. Uh, <laughs> by Ouija board. And, um, uh, I think Root is probably the most complete batsman England have had, certainly since I've been watching. Agreed. Cricket, probably yeah. since Peter May, I would say. And, um, and he's just not functioning as he did before. Now, he was one of the most consistent players in history, Joe Root, over a prolonged period of time. Um, uh, and the article I wrote earlier this week um, found this stat that in his, his last 18 innings, he's only got three half centuries. Mm. In the 92 before that, he had 46 scores of 50 or more. Half his innings. No one's ever, in a 92-inning stretch, that is astounding. no one had that is ever insane, got it? 46 half centuries. Which is, which is why... When everyone's getting hot under the collar about the conversion rate, I was tending to, to side with him and thinking, all right, well, you know, two seventies every three innings, that's yeah, pretty yeah. pretty important. You know, you get a lot of players who who, who are hit and miss. Well, well, Joe was hitting all the time. Yeah, yeah. He just wasn't necessarily taking them on to, to make the big so-called daddy hundreds. What's happening now, it's hard to divorce the, the, the sense of the captaincy and and all of the pressure that comes with that and this falling away of, of runs. You know, I remember Andrew Strauss, Saying, saying to me, but he'd have said it to a thousand other people, he said, you, you take a trade-off as a captain. You, you, you trade a few digits on your average for the glory of being the captain and being the leader. Uh, and not, it hasn't applied to all of them. Of course it's not. You know, it hasn't, didn't apply to Gooch and so on. Um, but it, it is becoming increasingly hard to ignore that sense with, with Joe. Uh, and, and Graham Swan, who says a lot of things, but I remember him saying before Root was, was, was put in place, he's saying, we should just leave him alone. Yeah, let yeah. him let him be our best player of a generation and more, and give it to somebody else. But to be honest, at, at the time, time there it was no, there's no at one the, else. At the time, Swan I think was a pretty lone voice. Mm. But but you can you can begin to understand where they're coming from. Uh, but Butler is is undoubtedly uh, very highly regarded in that England setup. I think he is without a doubt going to take over from Morgan as soon as Morgan is finished, which might be in July. Uh, the question. Maybe, maybe comes, and I'm not calling for Joe's head by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, but when Joe gets 28 years old, and they start to look at their careers, and there is a shelf life to England captains, mm. maybe they will get to that point and think, well, you know, let, let's let's protect this once in a generation talent and move the captaincy onto another player. It doesn't. It, it's no great uh, admission of defeat either. You've seen it with a yeah. number of other other. Uh, uh, countries that have done it very well, and and also if he, and I mean clearly he's done. They they've had some great series wins recently, and I yeah. think his and eight out of ten. They've won eight yeah, out of ten. Eight, yeah, exactly. They've won eight out of ten and lost seventeen out of thirty six. So um, mm. you can look at that. You know, long term, it's, it's crazy, form. isn't it? It's, but with frenetic stuff, with as ever, with Root, I think his, his captaincy is really good. It clearly, as captain, is generally as good as his bowling attack, um, but also. You know, he could stop being captain in the next year and then do it again in three or four years' time. Yeah. There's no, yeah. Yeah. Um, there yeah. hasn't been that, that many people who've come back to it since the '80s when it was, mm-hmm. you know, two games each at a time, pretty much. Where, well, so I've got another stat on, on on route that sort of backs up the sense that the captaincy might be affecting his batting. That's just looking at his first innings of series. He had an amazing record for 
you made hundreds starting of the time, yeah. series really, really well. So looking at the first innings of the first tests from 2014 when he came back in the side of being dropped for that final. Yeah, so he made test. a double hundred at Laws, didn't he? Yeah. The first um, test match of that, that summer. Yeah, we made double hundred against that was New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. Was it, uh, I, I forget the exact thing, but basically in 13 series, in that and the end of the uh, 2017 English summer, so the, the West Indies day-night match. Yeah. He played in 13 series. He scored centuries in the first innings of six out of those 13 right, wow. series. And he made 80 or more in three others. And had only two scores under 40 in Bloody 13 hell. first innings of series. It was, again, astonishing consistency. And in terms of wanting your big players yeah. to make an impact on shaping the yeah. early phases of the series, huge innings in the opening match of the 2015 Ashes. Yeah, and the 130 odd, yeah. Since then, six more series. Made a very good 80 against India last summer. But apart from that, he's made 58 runs in five innings. And, and, and it's not a leap of faith to imagine the build-up to a first Test match... All the interviews, all the scrutiny, all the the mulling over who to pick, who to not. You know, Ben Folks told me last month about his technique of going walking around the boundary with those who have been left out in the squad. All of that is playing out in your head. Then you get the the blazer on, then you take the coin out, then you flick it up, and then you make a decision, and then you might have your pads on twenty minutes later. Yeah, look, many have done it before and done it well, uh, but it's hard to not make that attachment to it. You know. That same, said, he might walk out tomorrow and strum yeah. 150 and then then the, the story starts yeah, yeah. to change again. But we don't know, you know, Root is not the only uh, high-quality player in England's top seven that's underperforming. Yeah, uh, is... Ben Stokes averages 25 in 2018. Bairstow has a career average of 37. No way should a player that good average 37. Um, yeah, I guess on what I'm trying to get at, is there a, is there a wider problem in the way that either England in an approach or, um, yeah, wh- wh- why, why is it these class players are... Struggling. Well, I think they played a few series on in bowler-friendly conditions, so yeah. that clearly diminishes the objective average of of batsmen. You'd have to look at you know the kind of relative average mm-hmm. within the context of games. But that said, there are a few a few slightly worrying trends within those individual player stats. So Ben Stokes has been out LBW in six of his last twelve innings, and had only been out LBW six times in seventy nine innings. Before that, he's which also suggests... out blocking, yeah, yeah, a lot, which speaks of a slightly garbled approach. I yes. think when Ben's playing his best, it's, it's just when he goes out there and, and he yeah. hits it. Well, so Ben Garner, five, it, there's less license yes. to do that, of course. So Ben Garner, Wisney.com writer, he's writing something that is going to be published today on Ben Stokes' his change of approach. So since he came back from his ban, he has paid more defence. His strike rate has plummeted, um, and when you have when somebody bats more defensively. You, you kind of think that they'll be their average against when they're when they're attacking would be higher. So Pajara's average when he attacks is in in the hundreds because he just doesn't attack very much. And when he does attack, so it's a rubbish ball and he punishes yeah, it. Yeah, picks the right ball. Stokes' yeah. average is actually still pretty low. It's below the the worldwide average when he attacks the ball. Um, I think since his comeback, so it's something's not quite right because when he, when he's when he's playing well, he strikes the ball so well. You wouldn't associate him as somebody who yeah. struggles. But attacking. then he's also. When he, you know, when he bats really well, he's he's still pretty selective. And you see, in, I mean, in, in in one day it was a very good hundred he made. I think the Champions Trophy against Australia. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. And it, it was only you know, run a ball hundred, which mm. in modern ODI cricket wasn't that fast. But there were loads of boundaries in it, so he mm. was picking his moments. It does seem at the moment that he's, as you say, promoted to number five. Maybe there's a sense of needing to be more responsible as a batsman that. Uh, it might just be that he's in a slight dip in form, but the LBWs be, I guess, a slight concern. Johnny Bairstow bowled 
eight times in his last 16 innings. Which is dramatically more than it was in, yeah. in that um, kind of golden two years. Yeah, right? so so LBW, and I looked at the stats for bat, top six batsmen, basically you'd expect one in six bowled, one in six innings LBW. Right. So Bairstow currently is last. I mean, it's relatively short term, but eight out of 16 bowled is, uh, is a lot. Um, and he's averaged since the start of the 2017-18 Ashes, basically after he was promoted to open in the one-day side, he's averaged 24.6 against pace bowling in test cricket. Um, and before that, over the previous two and a bit years, he'd averaged 47 against pace bowling. And that, that is that is a real concern. And the fact that he's getting out bowled so often has been picked up by a lot, a lot of the pundits. Some great TV breakdowns of his stance and his movements, leaving it off stump more exposed, which works for one slamming through the offside in one-day cricket, because yeah. left him maybe a vulnerable... I think there. he has actually reversed that. Uh, and he didn't bat long in the first test match, but he... He um, his stance was much more similar to what it was before he opened the batting one day cricket. So I actually am reasonably optimistic. And then he got too far across and got caught yeah. down. The next time. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, obviously, West Indies bowled fantastically, particularly Kimar Roach in the first innings uh, with the bat holder got a double hundred. He is now the number one ranked uh, all rounder in Test cricket, the first West Indian to do that since the great Sir Garfield Sobers. Phil, you spoke to Jason Holder before the series, and he said his career aim was to become the number one all rounder in the world. And He's going to clock off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the old Bobby Charlton line yeah. after 66. Like, where do we go now? What do we do now? <laughs> yeah, as I've said on this show before, yeah. seriously impressive bloke, articulate, considered, um, speaks his mind as well, more openly and uh, demonstrably than any other world cricket captain would dare to, which is a sign of the the kind of the standing that he now holds in West Indies cricket. Still only 27. Uh, still only 27, <laughs> but he's been around, he's an ancient 27, yeah. you know, he was made captain at 23, the 15th youngest captain in test history, the second youngest captain of the West Indies in all formats ever. So he was thrown one hell of a, one hell of a hospital pass at mm. the time. Um, and is building the nucleus of a team that can compete across the board, I would say. Uh, you, you've always got a chance if you've got a bunch of quicks. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, and they're good quicks. And 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 Shannon, Shannon Gabriel, who he was effusive to me when I asked him about his key players, he went to him straight away and he said I had to argue with the board that to get him in, to protect him, and to play him selectively, and to get him in this team, and he is he is his, the key. And it echoed a lot of captains over the years. They all look for pace. They all look for that bowler that can that can change the direction of an innings with a with a, a tattered fifty year old ball. Uh, and it's what England were crying out for, obviously. And it's what the West Indies have. Uh, and it's good to see Roach. He's still only 13. He's missed a lot of cricket, but he's back and back and fit. Six for six for zip in the first innings. Uh, and, hold, and Holder holds the whole thing together. You know, the, the, the clue's in the name. You know, there's, there's a, there's, I wrote this about Moments of determinism in cricket. Yeah, the, the clue's in the name. There's a kind of... Sort of water carrying pragmatism there, you know, he holds the whole show together. Well, for a long time, people said, Oh, he's, he's six foot seven, he should be charging in, he can no, bowl. He need to. Exactly, exactly. He's to. so good at what he does. He, he reminds, he reminds me of Courtney Walsh without the devil lurking beneath the surface. You know, Courtney would sometimes try and break your neck mm. out of nowhere for no evident reason, uh, but he would often bowl mid 80s, no more than that, sit in, jangling little away swingers, yeah, you know, back of a length, very, very hard to hit. And Holder has has a, a whiff of, of what's well, a late period Courtney, yeah, isn't he? He's yeah. basically a 
wise old 39-year-old seamer trapped in a 28-year-old's body. Yeah, and a beautiful <laughs> body it was. It and we look at, continues to be. You look at their, their pace bowlers' records at home in recent years. So since the start of 2016, Gabriel in home test, 50 wickets, average 20. Holder, 41, average 20. Uh, Roach... Only played five matches at home now, but twenty-one wickets, average seventeen. I mean, it's, mm. a, it's a it's a real real test. And I think people got tend to get distracted. I mean, first-class cricket in West Indies, it's all little dobbly spinners averaging nineteen. Nicky Demilla career average sixteen. Yeah, never quite <laughs> make it to the international game. But in in tests recently, the pace balls, particularly West Indies pace balls, have been really effective. And crucially, Gabriel Roach and Holder haven't actually played that many tests together and Holder's improved quite a lot in the last year and in that time they've done very well when those guys have played together. Add to that uh, a young and developing batting lineup. suddenly that's a, that's a really good team. Yeah, and just to throw O'Shane Thomas's name as well yeah. into the mix, it's not like they were going to just rely on these three quicks and as soon as one breaks down they're bereft. This kid will will take a lot of, a lot of international wickets. He's fast and he's dangerous and he's, he's terrifying. And really. even Alzari Joseph, so in that test match... Who looked fit and, exactly. and, he, and he didn't look fit when he came over to, yeah. England, yeah. Over to England in 2017. It was relentless. England didn't have a fourth bowling option to really attack, uh, and the, the pressure was on when Gabriel and Roach took a break. Um, yeah. That's a seriously good, seriously good team, and England are gonna. I think it's be really difficult for them to get back into the series. Um, I, I think I think they'll win at Antigua. What England? Yeah, they they bounce back yeah. as a matter of course. I think they'll win at Antigua. I, th- I think it was they bounce set back. it up nicely, unless but, it's uh, in Australia, and which case <laughs> they yeah. continue bouncing downwards. Yeah. Also, uh, Roach is quite an interesting one because. I'm not sure he's been massively highly regarded over here. But if you look at his career stats, he's got a career average of 28. But if you take out period when he played when he was knackered and mm. injured and then had, ended up having an almost two-year break from test cricket. But there were seven tests that he played when he clearly wasn't fit and he took four wickets at an average of about 160. If you take that period out from his career... He averages twenty five in Test cricket, which is up there with yeah. You know, some he, he took ten top, for in Australia, didn't he? As well, he took two fives in I can't remember where it was, but uh, that that was the winter when he looked like a really top quality bowler, and I think it was the winter right after he'd come over here when he duffed up Bairstow in Bairstow's debut debut series. Yeah, he, he's he's a class he's a class act when he's fit. Um, talking of quicks and the lack of firepower in the other lot. Uh, Andy, what is your your team for Antigua? What's, what's right. your bowling side uh, first? Well, just quickly on West Indies fast bowlers. On on Gabriel, we're talk, talking about Wally Hammond, and yeah, but a lot of you know the, the way he's looked at it's because he was such a majestic player to watch. And Gabriel's bowling action, I think, it's my favourite bowling action in international cricket at the moment. It's just this majestic swing of the arm, kind of proper yeah. old school muscular run up. It is you kind of picture to watch. Charlie Griffiths, don't you? You yeah. know, might even bend bend the arm on a bounce. And not that I'm saying that. that but Gabriel does, but you know, there's that kind of unreconstructed sort of Joe Louis sort of boxer yeah. style aspect to it as well. He's, you would not fancy it yeah, he's when really, he's coming around the wicket yeah. into the ribs. And from so, when you it. see the footage from side on, it looks just great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, England for the next test, uh, I would have. Well, it's um, I, well without knowing what's going to what the pitch is going to be like. I think clearly they have to bring broad back. Just on the well, pitch, Phil, you were saying that's going to be this, a, a this green morning, top. and we're recording this just twenty four hours out from the from the game. They're saying it's it's green, and they're trying to inject as much pace into it as possible. And they're good at just going to try and blow England away again. Yeah, they so, fancy their three against ours. Yeah, whoever they they may be. Um, but Andy, your your eleven. I would have um, broad and Wokes 
in um and probably Leach, I think. Um I'm slightly reluctant to drop Moeen because although his batting, as we talked about, hasn't been great. Since he was recalled, he's had thirty four wickets in six tests mm-hmm. um at a decent uh, low twenties average. But that said, I think there's an argument for you know, after a game like that. You need to do something, try and get not just do something to shake your own team up, but give the opposition something different yeah. to face. So I, I think I'd have Broad and Wokes in. Well, this is no fun because I've picked Broad and Wokes in my team right. as well. And so have I. I've picked Leach and Leach. So all, okay, right. Not many people have been talking about that. Not many people are talking about uh, dropping Moeen. Not many people are talking about picking Wokes either. I think it's a no-brainer. Like you pick your best four seamers, Wokes, Anderson, Broads and Stokes. And I think on form, your best spinner in Jack Leach. Uh, Jack Leach has the second best economy rate of any spinner who's taken more than 20 wickets. Sitting in test rickets in the start of 2016, only Jaja has a better one. Um, I think if you're going in with just one spinner, he offers you control. Um, you know, you, if you don't know what the pitch is, you don't know what the role of the spinner actually is. Mm-hmm. He is simultaneously somebody who can hold up an end and also take take wickets as well uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it's a no-brainer to be honest um, and, and, and in dropping Moeen that's not uh, a you know a permanent opinion and ruling him out of the equation for the summer at all that's saying right now in this test match coming up I think Jack Leach is is a more reliable option and I think England should be confident enough to do that yeah I've picked the same five bowlers as well it was swung by hearing the pitch report this morning yeah. which may change of course yeah but- but if they are looking to leave some grass on it and getting some carry through, then I think Wokes definitely comes into the picture. So and and Curran, well, Curran Curran is 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 a fascinating cricketer, obviously. Uh, but for this particular match, I'm leaving him aside. Uh, it's not going to do much in the air. It might do a bit off the pitch, but but Curran is a is a is an is an in, in the air swinger. You know, and we saw it against India in Edgbaston. Uh, and when it doesn't move in the air, then it suddenly looks pretty pedestrian. Um, he's wasted at batting at number eight or nine. Um, I can see him playing for England in the end as a number six. Um, uh, be, be, not not before time either, you know. I can see it happening quite quickly. But at the minute, he doesn't make my cut. For my we wouldn't have him opening the batting. Well, <laughs> well, the the, the 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 real red light here is 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 Keaton up the top, you know, who's. Who stats against Seam? You'll tell me. Is it something like seventeen that he's so averaged? He, he averages like yeah. sixteen or seventeen against spin. Uh, so against pace, uh, he averages throughout his whole test career. Yeah, and that's so the the ball by ball stats on Crickinfo go back to two thousand and one, yeah. and no top six batsman has a worse average against pace uh, in that time. Apart, no, it uh, is, it is number one. It is, it is number one. And um, Moeen's got over the last two or three years the. I think second worst against spin after Emerald K's or something. So that yeah, there's um, if, problems. If, Some record breakers in the if, if team. If this was in England and they had the pick of all of county cricket, uh, I would don't shout me down. I would be tempted to have another look at James Vince at the top. I knew as an opener. I knew. So 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 that, w- let me explain. No, I, I'm kind of with you on this, but do they then? I mean, but I, well, I, Hampshire I, don't. Clearly, you don't want to play him as an opener, would they? No, and and why would he want to bat as an opener when yeah. he can bat number four and, and he's the captain of that club as well? No one wants to open, ever. Yeah. Everyone wants to bat four and five. Uh, and why wouldn't you? But someone has to. And I look at I look at Vince and he infuriates me. Uh, I see some of myself in him and it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, that kind of 
elegant failure in life type scenario. <laughs> and I see, I see it has echoes of things that I've done in my own time. Uh, oh, you I, just, I, I mean, I you can't I, just leave that hanging. We need to know what they <laughs> are. People who know, they know. Um, Your cover drive is not that nice, but I've seen you in it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll come to that. We'll come to that later <laughs> on. Uh, I, I go back to that innings at Brisbane when he was yeah. in the second over and the ball was doing a bit, as it would, and Stark was bowling fast. And uh, he leant on a, on a half volley and he had time, time to get in position and he just punched it down the ground. I know the shot you're talking about. That wasn't even a half volley. No, maybe it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Um, it's good length but, ball. And also at Perth as well, you know, when he was, it was on a hiding to nothing, but that 50-odd he made before he got that Jaffa stroke, ball, yeah. flute, street ball, yeah. whatever, from Stark. Again, that showed that the bloke can play against extreme pace. Um, he has a technique... A defensive technique, which might sound a bit back to front because he gets out throwing his hands at wide ones against medium paces a lot. But I think he has a defensive technique that is pretty sound. Uh, and I'm looking at that top seven, and it's full of number sixes, as we know. Everyone wants to bat five and six. Uh, and we're looking at the, the collection of openers out there, and none of them are jumping out to me. And Joe, Joe Denley, you know, he's a canny county cricketer, and it's great that he's, he's, he's had a bit of a sniff of it. I don't want to see England pick a lad who's 32, 33, who's had an up-and-down county career and he's not a natural opening bat, really, uh, just because he happens to be there. And then they go through the merry-go-round again. And I don't see Joe Denley opening against against the Australians. I don't see him seeing off Cummins or, or Stark. Uh, and so I have this, this urge, <laughs> in spite of myself, to go back and have a look at Vince uh, and to see if, if finally... The bloke who clearly has a lot of ability can crack it. So can the England selectors say to Vince, right, we're thinking about you, but we're thinking about you only as an opener. And in, in that case, what can what can Vince, can Vince go to Hampshire and say, I need to open? Well, Jason Roy was batting 5-6 for Surrey and then the last game of the season, I think England did say England that England to, had a, to had a word, and in, word in the rear. He yeah. got 100 batting at three for Surrey. So uh, I'm sure if England, I mean, England can try. Yeah. You know, if, that's what, if that's what they're doing, I'm sure they can try. Yeah. Who's opening in your team? For this test, I think Denley actually for this test. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. you'd be, you'd be open to that. You'd be yeah. bringing in another debutant. Yeah, but he's he he's only looking at the the next two test sure. matches. Sure. You know, you can. I see the logic. I personally wouldn't go for Denley. I don't think he would do worse than. I, I think he probably would do as good a job or as bad a job as Jennings is doing at the moment. But I think Jennings has a higher ceiling. It was only three tests ago that Jennings scored a really good hundred. That, that was long. only against spin. I mean, that, that series can almost be completely parked, can't it? Because it showed he has a temperament for test cricket, but we know absolutely nothing about whether he's in, he got the technique that to thrive against in, in normal test match. I, I'd argue that we don't know about Joe Denley's either, yeah. and I think uh, that we might as well go for a guy who scored bucket loads of runs opening in the, in the county championship. I don't. I agree with Phil. He no way should he open the Ashes. I actually think, uh, obviously, a lot depending on how people start the county season. I'd love to see Mark Stoneman at the top of the order of the Ashes. I think he's a good player of pace. Yeah, but he, he went backwards argument. last year, unfortunately. But, he, summer, but he's, he took he's some a time out. Took some time player. out, and then when he came back in at the end of the summer, he actually, you know, he was looking, he was looking back to his best. And, um, and, and also, I mean, cricket is full of people who had a go, failed, yeah, came back, yeah. Learn a bit more mature and yeah. did, did, but I mean, even Vince actually on the the the, the last winter did you know had 
he had a good innings in New Zealand as well. Yeah, well, he, he made he, 76 he was, in New Zealand, yeah. which is his last test innings. Yeah. He was significantly better than he had been in his previous incarnation. Obviously, that great Australian team had Hammond and... Uh, Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> Hammond, uh, bingo. Hayden, um, Langer and Martin. Um, that was you average out. That name work, basically works out as Hammond, doesn't it? Who'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, all had a brief go around about 92, 93. Yeah. Then had yeah, four or five years out of the team and came back and were world beaters for, for, yeah. for, yeah. for a long time. And, and long cricket period. is littered with that. Just one thing on Jennings. Um, Mark Butcher on Crick Info said, um, I'd drop him for his own sake, which is kind of a slight sort of ex-pro way of... Way of sort of bringing down yeah. the, the guillotine. But he did say uh, that people within the county game say that when he's on, he's a really, really, really good player. And that he has a lot of support within English cricket. We haven't seen it, uh, but we only see one version, you know, and we only see, it's still quite a small sample size with a lot of these players and we are quite quick to judge a lot of them. What we've seen with Jennings, um, rightly, brings question marks and the shot that he got out to in the first innings was alarming because it was a long half volley it wasn't even it was holder so it wasn't especially quick it wasn't swinging and then the bat came down at a peculiar arc uh and and His it body looked, was so far away from yeah, the ball yeah and, and it looked back. it looked you know technically questionable mm. uh, and then that was the that fourth said, drive he played so he hit two for four and he played, he played and okay, missed at one he? And edge one and was caught. I mean, that's a 50% success rate on a bread and butter shot. Yeah. That was only a small sample, but yeah. early in the yeah. mornings, But The frustration with him is that he'd looked okay. He'd looked, that horrible modern word, busy, in that he'd looked like he was looking to score rather than just hang in there. Um, but Butch did, did say, as I say, you know, that, that people feeling English cricket that when he's on, there's still a player out there. And he has a lot of support within the dressing room as well, which does count up to a point, I think, you know. Um, if you're a different character and you're not scoring runs, then then your position is all the more under threat. Um, but my God, he needs some. If he does play tomorrow, he really does need a few uh, because he will be out if he doesn't score runs in Antigua. Bayliss has, has said that his position is is in question, that they are yeah. seriously thinking about it. I mean, the numbers we talked about earlier, you can't really ignore them. Um, I think we've talked about the test enough actually no I want to talk about Ben Folks very quickly I thought it was ridiculous that he was batting number eight he's one of four people in England's 15-man squad to average above 40 in first class cricket why is he batting eight um to be honest I think long term in the same way you said you see Curran batting at six I see Folks as a potential number five break up the stroke players in that middle order uh, forget his keeping I think people underrate his batting because of how good he is at keeping his batting yeah. is actually very good you, he, in, in your interview with him that was in the last magazine, he said that he uh, undervalued hundreds almost because of way batting in the in the, in the uh, order. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, well, on the second morning at Gaul, first test, Gaul, yeah. um, he was 80-odd not out overnight and Bruce French, his long-term keeping coach, came up to him and said, look, I know what you like, mm-hmm. get your head down, and 80-odd is fine, but 100, you make history. And folks said, oh, right, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's quite important to score 100. And he said to me, Consistency is my thing because I bat six, five, six, and seven. I've never been bothered about hundreds. I'm interested in getting runs pretty much every time I walk out there, uh, which again is kind of a little glimpse into his character, I suppose. It's um, very relaxing when when he's asked about his position aside. He's uh, very open. He says he can understand why he would be dropped. Uh, very different attitude to another wiki batsman <laughs> in the England squad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we have talked about yeah. the next test. Well, he looks you wanna... like an opening bat to me, folks. <laughs> in a different life, could have been an opening, nice or, or, technique. Yeah. Wokes, even yeah. yeah, you know. 
Short, also, I think in terms solutions. of folks at number eight, I think there's a, a question of balance of having you know Butler and Moeen to more attacking players. Yeah. Why not split them up with? I would have batted with uh, folks. Why after the event, I I had Moeen in my team at eight in the last Test match for exactly that reason. Um, but anyway, look, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But that said, Moeen's got a great average at seven. Does he? Well, you you could write a thesis on the psychology of batting positions. (laughs) Yeah. There's players that. uh, Botham, for example. You think Botham was a classic number six. He averaged way more at five and seven than he did at six. Yeah, headingly, he was at seven. Jeff Boycott was much better at two than one. Is that right? Just in terms of statistical uh, um, breakdown. David Warner was the same, I think. And. Ed Cowan had like a ridiculously different average at one and two. And right. Like, I never wanted to take first ball whenever yeah. I opened. Never wanted it. Always wanted two. Um, Graham Swan was a, a really, really good nine. So we're broadening him, really, kept him swapping. Whoever batted at, nine would, yeah, would be better. But not good at eight. Yeah. Right. You think, should it make that? You can see the technical difference between me. What, 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 num- what number know. did you thrive at? Uh, I was opener. Right. Yeah. I one was, or two. I was grinding, grinding. One opener. or two though. Um, I didn't mind really. Oh, okay. Okay. But I mean, we're talking village cricket here. We're talking, <laughs> I found my level. Oh, I don't know. I've seen you play. Yeah, we're like, moving swiftly on. Well, well no, on that actually, yeah. Asad Shafiq is a hundred runs away from being the uh, the guy who scored the most runs in Test history for number six. Yeah, um, he's, he's not done very well above that. Yeah, but yeah. he's a great number six, it's which is odd, isn't it? You, think, <laughs> you can understand why. You know, the difference between batting two and batting five, but I think five and six yeah. or. Mm-hmm. No, seven and eight. It's all really mental. Mate. It's all mental. I get a nosebleed every yeah. time about eight. Yeah. I'm fine at nine, but eight's yeah. too much. Too right, much responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there is more to the cricketing world in England. Um, uh, a bit slightly more seriously, uh, Safraz Ahmed has been banned for four matches for his allegedly racist comments directed at Andilo Filiquea. We mentioned it briefly last week, um, but he has been banned now. Um, he's been banned from four totally meaningless games, uh, two ODIs against South Africa and two T20Is. But the PCB, the Pakistan Cricket Board, are not happy. Uh, they said they had a statement which is actually quite funny. The PCB notes the ICC decision on Safraz Ahmed with its utmost disappointment. PCB had anticipated that the matter had been resolved amicably between the two players and the two boards following his public apologies, which were accepted by the player, the board and the South Africa cricket team. The PCB will be pursuing this matter at the ICC forums with the objective to bring reforms to the code, promoting amicable resolutions to issues as opposed to penalties. This is the best bit. Having said that, the PCB reiterates its zero-tolerance approach towards (laughs) racist comments and behaviour. Pick your battles, PCB. He's been banned from four totally meaningless matches, and it's not a good look. Mm. Um, Elsewhere, England Lions are 4 0 down. You didn't ask us to comment on that. Yeah, one, yeah. Moving on, moving on. Uh, Racism uh, is bad. <laughs> yeah. We, we agree on that. Um, elsewhere, England Lions are 4 0 down to India A. Uh, it's a really strong India A side. I love, I love the press releases that we get through from the ECB. On that, like, <laughs> M- Mulaney stars, but in, in Lions go down, and Mulaney's like got a. 38 from number it's seven. It's a really good. It's a really good India side. You also, yeah, you also got, you also got it, and Pant and yeah. Rahul. That's a that's a really strong side. Yeah. And England Lions side is quite an experience. Um, I want to mention Danny Briggs. He's done really well. He's gone at just 3.5 runs and over against a really strong India side. Uh, I don't think he'll play in the World Cup. But if there's an injury to one of the spinners, you know what? He could be in the squad. Uh, if something happens to Moeen Rashid or Liam Dawson, who's almost definitely going to be the reserve spinner. And he's only 27. I thought he was about 32. Well, there you um, go. Yeah. No, he's a, he's, a, he's a tidy, tidy piece of work. Is, is Danny Briggs? <laughs> he bowls that kind of 
horrible modern yeah. non-turning dart from, like, from quite a low, low angle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a first class hundred as well, so he can bat, which is really important for him. Oh, good on him. Um, and let's end on a on a really positive note. Uh, feel good story. Nepal have picked up their first ever ODI series win, a two-one win over the UAE in the UAE. Um, they had hundreds and hundreds of supporters at the game. If you've ever watched a cricket match in the UAE on TV, you'd uh, you'd know that's a rarity. There aren't many supporters there. Um, and to be honest, a couple of years ago, I, I knew absolutely nothing about Nepalese cricket. I didn't know that it was big there at all. But it's really thriving. Um, the Everest Premier League took place early in the winter and you had 20,000 people turning up to the games and there were overseas players, a couple of county players were over there um, and a young chap who's only 16 and like 100 days old called Rohit Powdell became the youngest half-centurion in the history of men's international cricket. So well done, Rohit, if you're listening. Well done, um, Rohit. Yeah. We started with Wally and we finished with Rohit. <laughs> Passing the baton it's, on. It would be fascinating to see how... Um, Nepal and Afghanistan progress over the next yeah. ten years. One of the great, almost challenges for international cricket is how to support the indeed the depth of talent that they have there. Imagine if you said ten years ago that Nepal and Afghanistan would have like these stars at T20 yeah. franchises and doing as well as they are. Um, it's amazing. And also, in ten years' time, what are the two countries that we'd have had no idea that would be really into cricket and doing well, thriving? Who 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 will they be? Um, That's a good question. Ecuador, Thailand. Right. I'm going. I'm going Thailand. I'm going Chile. They're quite yeah. into their cricket. I, yeah. I went through Chile. Yeah, there was there were nets all over the place in Chile. So I'm going for that. China. Okay. China. Like putting some money into it. China. Interviewed Richie Benno years ago, and mm. I remember him saying, "China ones to watch," <laughs> and, and it hasn't played out, frankly, uh, Rich. Uh, so you're wrong <laughs> on that one. But if they want it, then they can have it. If, if they're interested, then, then it's all there for them. Well, that's a you know Chinese cricket is a great note to end on. Um, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the Pleasure. show. Really enjoyed having you on. Phil, thank you very much. Really enjoyed being with you. We've not been on many podcasts together. I've enjoyed it. No, it's, it's nice. Um, it's yeah. nice. It's nice that you're taking the reins for hosting the thing as well. I'm glad you think so. No, you're, you're yeah. doing a fine job. Thank you, Phil. Cheers for coming on, Andy. That's great. Um, and thank you for listening as well. And as always, if you like it, subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Podcast Network.